Welcome back to the Devin Nunes podcast. We have a special location. We are now live in London, in the United Kingdom. Uh, we've turned it on. We've been testing it the last few days. And this is the first. I wanted to announce it here on Truth to all of you that we are open in the UK. So tell all of your friends to join. We're going to be looking for great content creators in the UK, just like we did in the United States over the last few months people that have, have lost their ability to communicate with one another, who have lost their right to free speech. We picked the United Kingdom, obviously home of the Magna Carta, and most importantly, home to Cash Patel's family. Cash, welcome uh, back to the show, uh, live streaming, high noon, middle of the day, five o'clock here. Uh, oh, great. De it's great to be back with you, Devin. I can't believe you're in England. You just got uh, at least uh, 40 uh, followers uh, live going on Truth Social. I just put the blast out to my family in London, my sisters and everybody are downloading the app as we speak. So I'm excited. And now they have no excuse not to follow me and you anymore. Well, at least you, your family. So they got, they got to follow you for sure. <laughs> Well, let me, so, so look, this is, uh, we're, this is our only our second time. So those of you, a lot of us of you helped beta test this last week for the first time going live. Uh, and we want to do this. So you, if you're on rumble, if you go to, to rumble rants, you can, uh, ask questions if, and we will take your questions as, as they come in, but we want to keep this free flowing as possible. But we have on Julie Kelly, uh, one of the greatest investigative reporters in the United States right now. She was early on to know what was going on in the Russia hoax and the Ukraine impeachment hoax, and really one of the few out there that looked at January 6th, and we all know it was a riot. Uh, and I've said from, from day one, the people that actually broke the windows, the people that broke into the House floor and the Senate floor chamber, uh, I want to see those people prosecuted, and they should be. Uh, but that's actually not what's happening. And Julie, nobody's done better than you, but I want to start out with You've got a very interesting story. You didn't go to, you weren't a trained journalist. You didn't go to Harvard. You didn't go to any of the Ivy League schools. And in fact, you know, you never even wanted to be a journalist. So you've got a fascinating story because uh, you just kind of fell into this. You just started writing and now you're at American Greatness. But let's just start a little bit from the beginning. How on earth did you start writing? <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Devin and Cash. Um, you know, you guys really paved the way for uh, what some of us are now following in your footsteps, what you did with Russiagate, uh, just a handful of you taking on not just the Democrats, but Republicans, and of course, the news media to expose what is one of the greatest political scandals in American history. So uh, I think about you guys a lot and the work that you did and how you soldiered on almost just this little small group of you. So I want to thank you guys too for what you did. Um, so actually, no, I did not go to Harvard. Thank God. I went to Eastern Illinois University where I got a communications degree. And I do have a minor in journalism. I was in broadcast journalism actually at Eastern. And, uh, but my focus after college was, was in politics. So I worked for elected officials and candidates in my home uh, state of Illinois in suburban Chicago. Uh, but then to your point, I took 10 years off, 12 years off to raise my two daughters. 
uh, got back into politics, started teaching cooking classes, like, you know, a lot of stay-at-home moms do. Like, what am I going to do now? My kids uh, are at school full-time. So I started writing about food and agriculture, which, Devin, you probably can appreciate. So I was covering a lot of things that was happening uh, related to uh, agriculture, biotech, agriculture, uh, food, Michelle Obama's lunch program, et cetera. And then when Chris Buskert came along um, and started American Greatness in 2016, he asked me to come on board. And that's when I sort of pivoted to writing about uh, politics full time. Well that's, well, that's what I remember, Julie. The story that I remember is you were doing like uh, writing about cooking. And that's mm -hmm. what I first remember. And all of a sudden, this lady appears from nowhere. And <laughs> you're doing these massive investigative pieces on the Russia hoax, one of the few at the beginning, I mean, really just a handful of, of reporters. And we we're like, who in the hell is this lady from Illinois that was like, has a, a cooking, a, writes about cooking, cooking blog. about the Russia hoax. Right, well, I mean, it, that's really where I started learning how to do some of this investigative journalism is just following what you guys were doing you know, watching and paying attention to whatever was being released, what you guys were producing and understanding that this was a huge scandal and the fact that very few people at the time were covering it, obviously Molly Hemingway, Chuck Ross, a handful mm -hmm. of journalists who were, were brave enough to do that. And uh, so I was just in a way sort of supplementing their coverage. Uh, and then of course that pivoted to, as you just said, impeachment covering that uh, very closely. And then really in 2020, pivoting a lot to the lockdowns and the pandemic, I was very early on anti-lockdown from the very start. And uh, I guess that's how I got to January 6th. I don't know. I don't pick the easy subjects. Maybe I should go back to cooking. Like, right. well, you pick, no, you pick the right, <laughs> the right subjects. And, and I mean, God bless you for doing this. You're one of the few people that's out there. I mean, and I know, and, and we can recognize others that, that you think are doing a great job. But you know, so many, so many politicians. You know, obviously the Democrats were going to do what they were going to do. They they want to use this as a political hammer to go after to go after President Trump. Uh, but even a lot of the Republicans have been kind of unwilling to take this issue on because, of course, even I I was in the Capitol that day. Uh, none of this was fun. None of it was fun to to watch. I had no issue with people protesting. I always have to say this with so many people that I uh, that I talk to around the country that don't understand what's happening with the with January 6th. You know, I, I have to first walk them back and say, you do realize that it is the right of people in this country that you can go and protest for any damn thing you want in Washington, D.C. It is supposed to be a shining city on the hill where you can go and you can protest and you can have rallies. And it happens every single day in Washington, D.C. We just saw it, ironically, mm -hmm. yesterday with what appeared to be kind of a fake protest because you had the squad members out there pretending like they were being arrested <laughs> and they were being hauled off. And then and then in reality, it was just like a, it looks like they were just making something for uh, for TikTok or Instagram because they acted like they had handcuffs on. And of course, they didn't have any handcuffs on. Mm -hmm. So it was totally ridiculous. But I just start there because it is the right of people and to protest their government in the United States of America, plain and simple. And I, it's, it's funny how many people I have to actually explain that to. Like there was nothing wrong with the people that, and I don't know, President Trump and whoever else was at the rally that day to go and speak and say, hey, I think we have a problem with the election here, which by the way, there is no question now 
that there are numerous problems with the election results in 2020. And that is coming true. You know, we did not know at the time. Uh, obviously, part of the way that I ended up in this role, you had the Hunter Biden laptop from hell that definitely changed the election. We found out later about the $419 million that was spent harvesting votes in the toss-up states. And I can tell you, if it had it been a Republican donor, if Sheldon Adelson, for example, would have spent $419 million, laundered it through a nonprofit and went out to harvest votes. And, and I only say Sheldon Adelson, he was a great supporter of, of the Republican party. He passed away uh, last year, but he's always the, he was always the guy that they would prop up and say, oh, the Republicans have Sheldon Adelson. Well, yeah, but Sheldon Adelson did it through normal channels. He gave to the Republican Party. He would give it to super PACs. This is something that's unprecedented. I promise you, any Republican who would have given $419 million to go and harvest votes would have be investigated right now by the Department of Justice. Subpoenas would have been flying mm -hmm. everywhere. So we have a $1,419 million problem that we ought to be getting to the bottom of. But with that said, I was, and Julie, I want to get right to now into January 6th, and I want to keep it at a high level. And I thought about this the other day because I was, I was actually walking out in a, in a vineyard, checking out some grapes of a friend of mine. And he actually, and this is a guy who's been a Republican, great guy, great supporter of mine. And he had no idea about January 6th. Like he thought that numerous people had been killed, had been shot. And I had to stop, wait, 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 wait. You, you know, the only person that was shot was one of the protesters by a Capitol okay. police officer. And he said, I, I, I didn't know that. He said, nobody was killed. Nobody was shot. I said, I said, no. And that's when I thought of to myself, oh, my God, for our kind of out of beta last week, Crash and I messed around with a bunch of people. We did a we did a live stream just to make sure the technology would work. We did, weren't sure it was going to work from London. And if I go out from London, Cash is going to take over. So anyway, <laughs> Julie, let me let's just start with how many people approximately have been arrested? Mm -hmm. How many people have been approximately been convicted and how many people are sitting in the DC gulag? Let's start there with just the basic numbers. Right, so that's a great question. We now have about 850 Americans who have been charged by this DOJ for their involvement in January 6th. The overwhelming majority of those people face misdemeanor charges such as parading in the Capitol, which until January 6th, 2021, most Americans thought, uh, you know, was a constitutional right. It is now a crime. This uh, and judges and this DOJ are throwing people in jail, like the 69 year old grandmother who has cancer, Pamela Hempel, who Judge Lamberth just uh, put her in jail for 60 days for pleading guilty to parading. Anyway, that's the overall number. The FBI is still arresting, rounding up people every single week. Here we are more than 18 months later. They're still arresting. I think the goal is to get to 1,000 total defendants. They think that this will be some sort of talking point for the Democrats during the midterm elections. Um, you've got about more than 240 people who have been charged with this. 1512C2, obstruction of an official proceeding, which is a post-Enron law that was intended to stop people from tampering with evidence or witnesses. It's now been bastardized and weaponized by this DOJ. It's an Andrew Weissman uh, uh, specialty. I'm sure uh, that name brings up a lot of good thoughts from both of you, Andrew Weissman. Anyway, the Mueller, the guy who really ran the Mueller probe. 
So you have people who have been convicted of that, who have pleaded guilty, who will serve years in prison. What's shocking is last week, the DOJ actually referred to 1512C2, obstruction of an official proceeding, as a crime of domestic terrorism. They are now going to seek sentencing enhancements under the terrorism provision in federal sentencing guidance to add years in jail for people who are either convicted or um, plead guilty to this nonviolent obstruction charge. To your point about uh, political prisoners, which is, I think, the question I get the most about. I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you have a question? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask uh, how many of those, because I know what, what, what shocks me is how many people that have been prosecuted that weren't even in the Capitol. So I just wonder, like, I mean, maybe you don't know of those 850, but how many do you, do you know? How, I mean, because that seems to me totally there, ridiculous that they, that they weren't even in the Capitol. There are quite a few. In fact, the case that I'm just referring to where DOJ is asking for the terrorism enhancement is the case of Guy Reffitt, who was the first man convicted by the D.C., a D.C. jury. Of course, they can't get a fair trial in D.C. at all. He was convicted on this obstruction count. He never went inside the Capitol. He was outside on the grounds. Uh, He was confronted police who were, you know, as you know, at that time, attacking the crowd with flashbangs and other munitions and tear gas, had a confrontation, didn't try to go into the building. Six months after he was arrested, they claimed he had a gun, a handgun, outside on the Capitol grounds. All they ever really showed was a holster. At any rate, Guy Ruffett never went inside the building. He never confronted lawmakers. He never shut down the joint session or anything that was happening. Nonetheless, he was convicted by a DC jury on the two obstruction counts, two civil disorder counts, and one uh, count of having a dangerous or deadly weapon on Capitol grounds. They want 15 years in prison for him, DOJ. Uh, So imagine what they're going to do, and we can see what they're doing to people who went inside the building. Um, So that is, there are several people, which raises the issue, we see people who are outside the Capitol grounds, who are inciting people to go into the Capitol, yet they still aren't charged. But you have someone like Guy Ruffett, uh, who now DOJ wants him in jail for 15 years. He's already been in the DC Gulag since his arrest in January of 2021. Can I just jump in real quick? What is the DC? Yeah, go ahead. So, so Julia and Devin, you guys know this. I was a terrorism prosecutor at the National Security Division at DOJ. I prosecuted real terrorists mm-hmm. and the terrorism enhancement. Um, just to put this in perspective, Julia, I know you know this, but the audience needs to hear this. We would support foreign terrorists. We would, excuse me, prosecute foreign terrorists via the material support statute. When we sentenced those terrorists upon being convicted for committing a crime of terrorism, the maximum sentence we could get from them was 15 years. So now this Department of Justice that I used to work for is now uh, making equivalent a foreign terrorist to a domestic citizen, an American citizen, and politicizing the national security apparatus. I just want that perspective out there. But Julie, I just want you to elaborate on how many other people face this sort of enhancement at sentencing. And it's not just that the politicians and the prosecutors are asking for it. The judges have to approve it. So any judge that actually approves this has to be held accountable. I totally agree. And I'm so glad that you clarified that. Um, Cash, this is the first time in Guy Ruffitt's case that DOJ has sought this domestic terrorism or the terrorism sentencing enhancement. Now, in past filings, in past sentencing, 
They have asked judges for extra time, say in the case of Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman, who after 317 days in solitary confinement, DOJ tortured a plea deal out of him for this obstruction count. And in its sentencing recommendation for Chansley and others, they have said they want extended sentences as a deterrence for domestic terrorism, which January 6th is. This is what the prosecutors are arguing. But that has not been said. It, it, the actual enhancement provision has not been cited in sentencing recommendations like it has in the, in the Guy Reffitt case. So you can imagine, Cash and Devin, going forward, when you have plea agreements, when you have convictions on this, that this is uh, setting an unprecedented, very dangerous um, uh, you know, sentencing uh, requisite for moving forward on an obstruction count. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's not even for firearms count. It's not for making threats to lawmakers. It is specifically on this nonviolent obstruction count. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that you you clarified that, though, Cash. Uh, this is what so they're comparing me... these people to, Al-Qaeda terrorists. Yeah. So let me uh, just to back up just a little bit. And I want to get to uh, we've got a lot of people that are watching, a lot of people that are asking questions. And I'm going to try to rip through them as quickly as possible, consolidate some of them. But but Julie, before we move to some of those questions, a lot of people don't even know because it's kind of nicknamed the D.C. Gulag. But give us mm -hmm. kind of the 101 of how many people are in there, how many people stayed there and why is it so uh, unfair to these these folks? So uh, the D.C. has set aside part of its prison, its jail system, just for January 6th defendants, i.e. Trump supporters or Biden protesters. So this is a section of the jail where these people who are arrested, transported from all over the country to Washington, D.C. Now, it's important to emphasize this is under pretrial detention orders. As Cash, you will be very familiar with this. It's not because these people have been convicted. They, DOJ, in more than 100 cases, including nonviolent like obstruction, have sought pretrial detention orders for these defendants, claiming that they are a danger to their community or to the country because they participated in the events of January 6th. Judges, every single judge on this D.C. District Court, from Trump's appointees, Obama, Clinton, down to Reagan appointees, if you can believe that, two of them are still on the court, unfortunately, have signed off on these pretrial detention orders. These men are then moved from their home state, sometimes sent to four or five other jails before they end up in the nation's capital at what I call this DC gulag. They have been abused by uh, DC guards. Uh, as you can imagine, D.C. jail uh, guards are not really politically in line with Trump supporters or Biden protesters. There have been reports of physical and um, mental, emotional abuse. They are denied access to their attorneys. They're denied access to discovery, which, Cash, you know, is a constitutional violation. The judges do not care. The judges in this situation are more villainous than the prosecutors because this DOJ has no guardrails. They get away with everything that they want, including now holding some of these men in this D.C. gulag for now almost two years in the case of the Proud Boys before they will uh, even face trial. Really a constitutional crisis that very few people in this country, including 95 percent of Republican leaders, uh, even pay attention to or try to do anything about it. 
Yeah, it, it, it really is remarkable, but it's because of the reporting you've done, Julie, that we even know about a lot of this, that a lot of this is happening. And I think it's just hard to believe. Cash and I can believe it because we've we, we've saw just the corruption of the Department of Justice. And I think overall, this is going to there's a lot of questions on this is, you know, what can the you know, what are the Republicans in Congress going to do? Uh, how is this going to get fixed? And I, I don't think it's going to be an easy solution. And maybe we'll, we'll come we'll come back to that. But let me just tell people that are just joining in. Uh, and some people will be listening to this afterwards on either the audio podcast or or watching the replay because uh, it'll be posted to, to Rumble. Uh, but uh, we opened up the show with that, that the big surprise announcement that I had is that I am actually in the United Kingdom, in London. We now are testing truth in London. It's wide open. So if you have friends or family, if they have an iPhone, uh, they can go to the Apple App Store, download the app, or they can go to truthsocial.com. And I know a lot of you are going to ask the same question. Yes, we're still waiting on Google, but hopefully we're being promised by them that we're going to be up in the Google Play Store soon. Uh, so we have quite a few questions on that. Uh, some people ask me, do I live in a palace, which I think is funny, <laughs> because I, if you're looking at the room behind me, that's not a, not a no, I don't live here. I'm uh, just visiting in the UK. I had to find a place that had internet uh, and some place that I could get to and put an iPad up in front so we could see if this, uh, this worked. But uh, no, I do not live here and I don't live in a palace. Um, so Cash, uh, we've got... Um, uh, qu quite a few questions uh, on, you know, what can we do with this kind of rogue Biden administration and DOJ that, quite frankly, was rogue long before Biden arrived. They were rogue in a, during Obama, all through Trump, and now they're getting away with what seems to be every single day. There's a new example. I mean, there's the big example of, you know, kind of the riots and protests burning down of entire, you know, blocks and cities, attacks on police that went completely completely unprosecuted almost in its entirety. You had uh, Kamala Harris, who was advocating for people to give give money to some of these folks, uh, to you know, just the recent example of uh, that jerk Colbert, who, you know, as Cash, you'll remember, he used to try barging into my office on numerous occasions. Nine mm -hmm. of his people, uh, you know, went into the Capitol. Now we find out it was actually Democrat staffers that called the Capitol Police on Colbert. Uh, but, you know, that was clearly uh, an insurrection into the Capitol, slowing down uh, proceedings, bothering people in our in our nation's capital. He's a pro at this. He's been doing a long time. But we found out yesterday the dude walks scot free. Not a surprise. But mm -hmm. you have Jan six uh, going on. So there's there's numerous examples. So cash. I mean, this is the question that we're getting. How How is how, how do we get to the bottom of this? Yeah, it's just it, so. There's a twofold response, and one one I learned under under your leadership um, on House Intel when we led the RussiaGate investigation. Um, <clears throat> but real quick, Julie, I just want to put something in perspective. Before I came a terrorism prosecutor, I was a federal public defender in the Southern District of Florida, and I would argue for bail and bond for defendants who had prior criminal rap sheets that were multiple pages long, and I would get them every time they would be released on bond. And now we have individuals who have no crap criminal rap sheet or who have been misdemeanor rap sheets and are getting to held uh, no bond. And I just want to highlight the significance of the due process violation. Maybe I'm a little nerdy because of my past, mm -hmm. but it's outrageous to have people over the ages of 50 and 60 years old who have almost no prior criminal history. They are not a danger to the community. They are political prisoners. But Devin, jump into your point. There's two ways to do it, right? Congress. America has now learned uh, maybe a lot of them didn't know before, the power of having the gavels, having the majority in Congress. Because if you don't, 
you can't do anything. You can't launch investigations of consequence. Look at what the radical left has done. The unselect committee on Jan 6 is a perfect example. They have done nothing to advance justice and due process rights or the constitution. They have done everything to lie to the American people, but they're in charge right now. So they get to do that. So once we flip, it is important to remind Kevin McCarthy and all the political leadership every single day, which Julie has been doing, that the House Judiciary Committee, the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Oversight Committee, they need to launch thousands of subpoenas on day one, thousands of investigations on day two for document requests, proving the lies at the Justice Department and FBI and hold those people accountable. Then subpoena the Attorney General, the Director of the FBI, and everyone below them who is a presidentially appointed person, and there's a lot of those people who are who are in this racket together to expose their corruption. So that's the first way. The second way, unfortunately, it will take a little longer, um, Devin, as you know, what, if you don't have the White House, you can't have the appointments across DOJ, FBI, CIA, all these institutions, DOD and DHS. And while congressional leadership can stymie that and launch investigations until we win back the White House, um, it's going to be very hard, but I think it's been a, a very big civics um, education les lesson for many Americans. You started it with Russiagate and not enough people paid attention. And Julie's continuing the mantle here on Jan 6. But when you deprive someone of human rights and civil liberties, like I, I've been to many jails across America as a public defender. And I've always argued that every single person who becomes a prosecutor should spend one night in jail. So you know what you're doing to a human being. And, um, you know, maybe one day we'll get there, but uh, I don't think these prosecutors have a clue. And worst of all, they don't care. And the public debate community that I used to be a part of is shockingly quiet on this matter of due process. And same with the, uh, you know, lunatics at the uh, ACL, whatever it is. Um, everyone's quiet because it's Trump prisoners. So, you know, yeah. we got to get out there and win. I'll tell you what's even a little more alarming, as you were just saying, Cash, the prosecutors and the judges are gratified by the pain that they are inflicting on these defendants. It, almost all of them have no criminal record. Several of them are veterans who suffer from PTSD from their tours of duty. One man has three tours of duty in Afghanistan as an army ranger, and um, they're, they're gratified. It, it's really twisted in a way that they are enjoying uh, the pain that they're inflicting on these people. And to your point, no one's stepping up at all uh, to help them. No legal defense funds, nothing available on the right or the left who are defending the principles that they you know, claim to stand for. Well, I know that Cash, uh, that you're actually uh, gonna try to help some of these, uh, some of these folks out uh, with fight with Cash, right? Yeah. So, you know, Devin, you know how hard it is just to set up an offensive legal trust if you're a conservative or a moderate Republican. No state wants you, no banks want you. So we stood up fightwithcash.com a year ago to take on the defamation cases, which were so important for everyday Americans who've been defamed. And we finally, I'm proud to announce, earned our 501c3 status. And we're going state by state to register because these people will come after us. So we will officially launch a massive fundraising operation at Fight With Cash soon for all Jan 6 defendants, where we will utilize funds for lawyers, just we are, just like we are for people's defamation cases. We file defamation cases on behalf of other Americans who can't afford it. We paid for it. While I cannot solicit it right now, other people can talk about fightwithcash.com. And as soon as that interim adjudication comes in from the IRS, we are a go to start sending checks. And we are more than happy to start. And we are going to have a massive event on day one. And I hope Julie Kelly uh, will be there with us. 
I absolutely well, will. And I'm so grateful that you're doing that, Cash. Thank you. So, so Julie, let, right now is it's a good time to let's give a, a shout out to the who are the other great investigative journalists, volunteers, people that are actually this is a great time to kind of give them a shout out. So the people that are obviously you write at American Greatness. So AmericanGreatness.com, you can see all the great work that that Julie does. But who, who else is working hard on this? Let's give them a little bit of uh, props right now. Yes. Yeah, so first, uh, I joke, I call him my January 6th husband, Darren Beatty at Revolver.News. <laughs> um, he's done, he just does really super granular. You know, he's he's not an Eastern Illinois under, you know, graduate with a communications degree. He's like a PhD. He's a genius. So when he takes something on, he gets like super granular. So he was really the guy who blew the story off the Ray Epps scandal and continues to do so. So he does great work. I think he's got some new stuff up uh, even this week. Um, I've got to give a shout out to Tucker Carlson. He was one of the few. He still is one of the only Fox News hosts who will address this issue, which he has from the very beginning. Uh, Mark Levin is another one. Uh, he had me on early on to talk about what was happening. At, and of course, he is a lawyer, constitutional expert, very alarmed at the due process, denial of due process and the holding of political prisoners. So I want to give them uh, you know, credit for helping bring this because as you guys know, and you, you uh, experienced this like nobody else did. Um, as you were on, starting to uncover this numerous scandals related to January 6th, uh, you know, even influencers on the conservative side ignored this and continue to ignore it to this day. Um, and so I do, I am appreciative, you know, even for you guys covering this cash for your partnership in this. Um, and so, but I, I would just, uh, I want to highlight those folks. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out, but uh, Darren Beatty, for sure. I urge people to check no, out Julie, all of his detailed well, reporting. You, well, look, that's that's great. And that's part of the reason I brought back the podcast, uh, you know, first and foremost, so that we can interact uh, with our with, with our true mm -hmm. social users. So we promoted this on Truth, obviously, being our first uh, foray into the United Kingdom uh, this week. But, but I just started watching some of this and reading some of the stuff I read that piece just uh, uh, last week, and I posted it on Truth from Darren Beatty from Revolver. And he should be on Truth, by the way. I don't, we don't know why he's not on Truth, or maybe he is secretly. We haven't seen him. Uh, but but this okay. is part of the reason why we're doing this. And, and, and look, at, uh, I'm going to continue to do these live streams just basically to interact with Truth, but also to highlight real investigative journalism that is being done uh, on any topic. And Julie, we actually went out with a poll last week and we asked what it you know what do people want to cover and this this was uh, this is what won so those of you who wow. and i think gosh i'm gonna oh, think great. like ten thousand people or something responded yeah. to the to the great. poll so you brought up you brought up ray epps that's great um this is very reminiscent uh of the russia hoax where we had all these strange people that seem to have intel connections and uh, you know ultimately we we ended up found out that they were working for our own government and mm -hmm. so let's for back to 50,000 feet who the hell is Ray Epps <laughs> well I know that your viewers know know who Ray Epps is so this is the man caught on camera numerous times on January 5th and 6th luring people into the Capitol, right? He's the military guy, tall guy. He had the MAGA hat on. 
He was uh, at one of the rallies on January 5th telling people, we need tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. And people around him started booing him. And a few guys started yelling, Fed, 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 thinking that, of course, he was working for the government. On January 6th, he did not go, as Darren Beatty just pointed out, if he was a big Trump supporter, he didn't go to the president's speech. He didn't go to anything at the ellipse that day. As you guys know, it was an hours long production. He didn't go. Instead, he's on either Constitution or Independence Avenue showing, shouting at people. You know, a lot of people, it was their first time in D.C. They didn't know where they were going. He's directing people to Capitol Hill. Here's how you get there. Go here. Then he's outside. This is most important. He is outside of what Darren Beatty calls the breach team. But this is the first group of Proud Boys. We know a couple FBI informants were there. And then a man named Ryan Samsel, who was the first guy to kind of breach the exterior bike rack, bike rack um, barriers that they had outside the grounds. Ray Epps whispers in Ryan Samsel's ear before Ryan Samsel kind of overturns these bike racks and uh, police officers get knocked down and he runs up the steps towards the west side of the Capitol. Ray Epps is also in what many people have been charged with, restricted grounds. The entire grounds of the Capitol was shut down that day for some reason, um, but it was to lure people into this trap and then cut, make them into criminals. But Ray Epps was there as well. So here we are almost 18 months later, FBI still rounding up people every week, but Ray Epps still um, is uncharged. Furthermore, he's the only insurrectionist that the media and the January 6th committee, including Adam Kinzinger, jumped to defend. The New York Times had a huge article portraying Ray Epps as a victim of a conspiracy theory. Another thing you guys are very familiar with, right? You know, we had Stephen Halper was a victim, you know, all the Christopher Steele, you know, he was just, you know, a stand-up ex-British intelligence official, and he's a he's the target of conspiracy theories by the Trump right. Anyway, so it seems odd that Ray Epps is the only person uh, involved in January 5th and 6th who the media and Democrats in the January 6th committee defend. We still don't know why he's not charged. We have no good explanation. Uh, the January 6th committee claimed that they interviewed him, that they were going to be releasing his transcript. They have not. And my sense is that it's going to get buried at DOJ when DOJ obtains the thousand plus witness interview transcripts as part of their prosecution. So um, he's just, I think, the tip of the iceberg, though, as to the government's involvement, deep involvement, months before January 6th, and certainly their involvement in provoking and promoting the events of that day. And here's here's one thing on Ray Epps, just to quickly. Is there any? Um, uh, so Jill Sanborn, who's now the head of the counterterrorism division mm -hmm. at the FBI, who I prosecuted terrorism cases with as my, she was my oh. agent overseas. Um, she is now the head of the counterterrorism division, one of the highest po posts at the FBI. She was under oath before Congress where Senator Ted Cruz asked, is Ray Epps a Fed? Her response under oath was, I cannot comment. Not, I don't know. Not, what are you talking about? Uh, not, who is that guy? I've never heard of him before. I cannot comment. And since I'm not in government then and now, I can tell you that for sure, that means somebody should be sending a subpoena 
to the DOJ and FBI on who Ray Epps is, because I have said before, and I'll say it again, he is the Christopher Steele and Rodney Jaffe of the January 6th events. And as Julie said, it's just the tip of the iceberg. And for the FBI to basically acknowledge that and for the media to ignore it and then glorify him just means what Devin has taught me all along. You're over the target. You knew you're right. And you just got to keep pounding uh, the pavement and never let up. And once you have the Ray Epps answer, it's going to be like the day where we told the world Hillary Clinton paid for the dossier. It's just going to all unravel, but we got to keep getting there. Well, here, here's, a, here's an important question. Here's an important question for both of you. Someone wants to know if Ray Epps is Liz Cheney's boyfriend. <laughs> running mate, running mate, not boyfriend, running mate. And also, I forgot to tell Truth Social that the real reason Devin, Donde Devin, which is what I started, by the way, on Truth Social, we found him. He's in <laughs> he's tracking Christopher Steele. He's going down to the there old Bailey. Go. He's going to bring Christopher Steele back on a, on a military aircraft that we packed. Maybe, maybe, do you think that Christopher Steele will join Truth Social? <laughs> we should maybe invite him. What do you think? Maybe he'll maybe he'll join. Be great to have so. him. Yeah. Well, Chris Still, if you're watching, you're invited, man. It's wide open. TruthSocial.com. <laughs> you can sign up. We're here in the UK, so and I'm in an undisclosed location, so don't try to come to find me, Chris. Um, all right. So let's uh, quick shout out um, to this Friday, uh, Epoch Times. Uh, who cash you have uh, you do a lot with Epoch Times. Uh, they do great work. They're all over True Social. They've got numerous accounts. Uh, they have a documentary coming out mm -hmm. on Friday about Jan 6, and it's called The Real Story, and mm -hmm. it comes out this Friday. Uh, is that right, Cash? Yeah, it's very powerful stuff. I'm in it. A lot of folks we know, a lot of familiar, but what they've done, Julie Kelly's, of course, you can't have anything on January 6th and not have Julie <laughs> Kelly, sort of like an, an, a foregone conclusion. Um, she's one of the stars. But what they've done brilliantly is instead of just interviewing us and reporters, investigators, that they brought the Jan 6 defendants in. They brought the people whose lives were impacted and turned upside down and had them explain for the first time on camera what January 6th is doing to their families and how it is violating due process in the constitution. It's very moving. Um, and yeah, I think it goes live Friday, Friday night or something like that. But um, uh, I hope everyone checks it out. Julie does a fantastic, I'm not going to lie. I saw the whole thing early because, you know, I had a little access there, but it's awesome. Oh, good. I hope I looked all right. That's all I you, care about you, now. You crushed it in your purple jacket and lavender jacket. Um, that's right. I, well, I almost well, wore that today. To, so glad I didn't. Okay, good. <laughs> so let's let's get back to uh, uh, Jan 6 here. Uh, quite a few people uh, are asking, um, basically that you know what should the republicans what should they be doing now what could they be do, doing better uh the republicans that are in congress you know the questions that they need to be asking uh people that they should you know be attempting to interview i know that like cash as you said they don't have gavel so they don't have the subpoena power but uh but let, why don't we go to you julie first what would you like to see see them doing now and then what would you like to see them do uh, if if they American people give them uh, their the gavels back in November and then I'll and then cash you'll take it from there. So I think what I would like to see them do now, which I would like to have seen them done for months, is uh, weekly press conferences outside of the D.C. Gulag, using their um, authority, using their leadership posts 
to uh, expose what's happening at that jail and the holding of political prisoners in the United States for the first time. That has not been done. Now, there have been a handful, a tiny handful of Republican congressmen who have done that. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gohmert, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs. They have been, actually been to the jail and basically had to overrun the officials to get in there to see what's going on. But anytime they hold some kind of event, you have five or six Republican House members show up. Uh, Senate, the Republican Senate has completely ignored this. So I would like to see more attention by this leadership uh, at to the political prison and then walk over to DOJ and talk about what DOJ is doing. The people that they're arresting, the grandmothers that they're sent, sending to jail, uh, the claim that obstruction of an official proceeding is now a crime of domestic terrorism. There's a lot that they can be bringing attention to, forcing the media to cover these issues that they are not. I'd also like to see a plan, and I'm curious to see what Cash says about this, a specific plan of what Republicans will do if they do take over the House. And that means a detailed agenda related to DOJ, the FBI, and the DC U.S. Attorney's Office. All of the evidence that they are going to seek to uncover the 14,000 hours of surveillance video that's being covered up, all of Nancy Pelosi's records, the FBI records, communications between U.S. Capitol Police and FBI that is all under wraps. They say they want to get the truth. The truth relates to what? What Cassidy Hutchinson, her memory <laughs> tells her, but nothing related to the people who are really in charge of not just security that day, but any government involvement. So I would love to see them put out a detailed plan um, to show, to, to warn Democrats and DOJ and FBI what's coming if they take over the House. So I think I'm just going to piggyback off that and splice it off a little differently on the latter half from my days at Russiagate with Devin. So, yeah, we do need an investigative roadmap. And, you know, if the if the Republicans in the minority don't want to do the whole roadmap work right now, then all they can. It's simple. Like like Devin and I did when we ran Russiagate. What do you need to do? You need to create a list of witnesses you're going to subpoena immediately. And you need to create a list of documents you're going to subpoena immediately. And the first thing you always go after is documentation because witnesses are witnesses are window dressing to the, the documents that speak for themselves. And you got to have a list for the FBI, for the DOJ, and even the intelligence community to a certain degree. And not just for the Ray Epses of the world, but for any undercover operations that were going on related to January 6th, for any informants, for anybody that had contact with the FBI, for their contact reports, all of that stuff we requested in Russiagate, it's the same thing all over again. You just substitute a name. And committees like judiciary and oversight and even foreign affairs to a certain degree have to um, uh, be able to execute those on the first day with a quick turnaround time. That's how you start holding people accountable. And yes, you have to educate the public, as Julie was saying, you have to get these folks who are elected to go before the, the gulag and get on TV and start and start hammering. Because as Devin Nunes taught me a long time ago, uh, during Russiagate, I was like, I think, I think the world knows now, Devin. And Devin goes... Have you said it a million times yet? I was like, no, I think we said it three times. He goes, well, when you get to a million uh, and you think you're tired and the world knows, you've only just begun saying it. And Devin, uh, break, break from that, returning to a quick Truth Social. My brother-in-law just signed up live on Truth Social uh, England, so he might be one of the first to go. <laughs> he is at Mystery Magic 
Let's get him verified, team. Um, here we go. We got the Patel clan well, involved overseas. Well, just so you know, somebody also said, but this is, I think, also sarcastic, but somebody claims to be Christopher Steele, and he claims that he's in the UK <laughs> here, and he's watching. Well, Chris, if that really is you, welcome. I'll see you down uh, at the pub, and we'll get a pint. I'll buy a pint. You can give me all the details on Russiagate. Um, okay, so Carol H., thanks, Julie, for all of her great work so did penzoli so thank you uh, for participating with us uh let's um so so we've got about 15 minutes left so get your questions in quickly and i want to try to summarize some of these um so cash your relatives are on here in the uk they're getting on yes uh, and i know you want to be on canada in canada also because you have relatives in canada <laughs> um we have a lot of questions about where we're going to go next so Look, maybe we'll put up a poll. I don't know. But I wanted to start here in the United Kingdom first because of the great history. Obviously, this is a place where, uh, you know, they there's people from all over the globe. Uh, they exited from the EU. Uh, they claim they the home of the Magna Carta. They claim they want to be a country that promotes free speech. So I thought, what a better place to start with one of our longest and mo most important allies, a place that that we have, have really become to rely on as Americans. Uh, they've been with us in so many, uh, so many uh, tough situations. Uh, I thought, why not have True Social come here to the UK to bring freedom of speech on the internet uh, back to the United Kingdom? So that's why we're here. Um, let's see, why was the Capitol open uh, late at night on like a late night, January 7th through the 11th on January 6th. Uh, well, I can answer that myself. So the reason the Capitol was open, we were, we were conducting business. It's not unusual for, well, first of all, let me back up. This is important. Because of COVID, you may remember that Pelosi actually kept everybody out of the Capitol. And one of the important <laughs> things to remember, you do have a right as a US citizen up until Pelosi used COVID to boot all of you out of the Capitol on any normal day, the Capitol is open. You can, even if you're from the United Kingdom, even if you're from, you name the country around the globe, you can walk up to the Capitol, go through security and walk in and get a tour of the Capitol. Uh, and for many years, you know, my staff would, would actually give tours seven days a week to people that came into the Capitol. So we were in this very unusual situation where Pelosi, number one, didn't even have people come and vote because a lot of the Democrats didn't even show up. They just voted from voted from home from their from their iPads, you know, voted from on they could a lot of them were on vacation. But secondly, she had shut down all visitors into the US Capitol. So I want to make sure everybody understands you do, assuming that Republicans win, you can take your family and you can go and visit the US Capitol. There's nothing nothing against that. But but it is typical that Congress does operate at night. So whoever asked that question, I just wanted wanted to get to that one. Um, uh, and thank you to Zinc and Ivy, uh, who just uh, donated uh, to uh, to the cause. Appreciate it. Um, all right, Julie. So, what are you watching? A lot of people want to know what is. Obviously, we we know what you want to see some of the Republicans do moving forward. Uh, what are the kind of near term cases that you see coming up? That's kind of question one. And two, are there any other people that? that you suspect to be in the same boat as say a Ray Epps, where we don't know what the hell he was doing there. We don't know what he does. We don't know why he hasn't been prosecuted. 
Are there anybody that, that, so what are you looking forward next? And then are there any other potential weird people that were there who have not been prosecuted? So that's a great question. I think Darren Beatty is going to have another report up soon um, about this guy called the scaffold commander who is seen on scaffolding, also encouraging people to go into the building. He apparently, uh, so Darren's going to have an investigative report on that. I have also raised the issue. There were dozens of people infiltrated with the Proud Boys who had neon caps on. They had neon, orange, neon knit hats. Underneath, they had baseball hats. And a number of them also had earpieces. This is a famous photograph with the uh, Proud Boys, the leader that day, Joe Biggs. They're at this initial breach point. None of those men and women have faced charges. So my question has been, is the neon tape that was used, the neon hats specifically, a sign that they were government agents, if anything was to happen, you know, leave them alone. But that's a big question why those people have not been arrested and charged, which leads me to the two big uh, trials that are coming up, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. These are the two alleged militia groups that the January 6th committee and DOJ are prosecuting, I believe, to create, to build a case against Donald Trump of either conspiracy or this obstruction count. So the first Oath Keepers trial is set for the end of September. We'll see if that gets delayed. It already has been delayed. Um, the Proud Boys trial, all six, five or six of these men have been incarcerated since the spring of 2021. The judge in that case just delayed the trial to the end of December. Um, but look, DOJ does not want those cases to go to trial because those are the two groups like we saw in the Whitmer kidnapping hoax, which I also cover extensively. And I ask people to read the reporting on that because it's a big window into what happened on January mm -hmm. 6th. We will see how many government assets were run into those two groups months before January 6th. DOJ is threatening the Proud Boys to take plea deals um, under the uh, their seditious conspiracy charge. Otherwise, they will face uh, life in prison if they're found guilty of seditious conspiracy. DOJ does not want those cases to go to trial. Luckily, many of them have good attorneys. Some of them have good public defenders. Others have good hired attorneys who are not taking plea deals and are going to take this all the way to trial where, of course, as you know, cash under discovery and then during trial, they will have to discuss FBI undercover agents or informants who were involved in both of those groups. Julie, and I'll throw this out there for the first time ever since I used to be a former some of these defender and prosecutor. If any of those folks need a pro bono assist on those cases, I'm happy to do it. Oh, that's great to hear. I will pass that along to the people who are representing and in definitely and I know there's a, all the help on, they can get. Thank you. One of our real active users, uh, Julie, um, I think it's uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Cates. He's off also representing quite a few people. Um, and he's often on Truth uh, posting a, a lot, but um, uh, he, he posts some pretty, uh, pretty scary information. And you know, including talking about people that have committed suicide in the prisons. And I don't know, is there, what's the reality of that? That, that people have, is that true that we've had some, some Americans who have 
been held and, and committed suicide? Um, no one has been has committed suicide in jail, but I reported on the story of Matthew Perna, um, who committed suicide at the end of February, hanged himself in his garage after he found out that DOJ was going to uh, seek this, not the official terrorism enhancement, but the deterrence that the DOJ has talked about in sentencing recommendations. He pleaded guilty to obstruction and a few misdemeanors, thought his attorney told him he would get a few months in jail. Matthew Graves, the DC US attorney, came back and said um, basically that they were gonna seek years in prison for Matthew Perna. Um, another man walked inside the building with open doors, police were right there, had his life destroyed, and after finding out he was going to spend years in prison, uh, killed himself. But that did not uh, happen in prison. No one who's been in either the D.C. Gulag or other jails where uh, these people are being held under pretrial detention orders ha have committed suicide. But I've heard from a lot of them, several, uh, who, who have considered it because uh, this prosecution is so abusive. The media is just uh, destroying these people. They've been abandoned by their family members, their community. They've lost their jobs. It's really horrible what's happening to these families and to these defendants. Yeah, especially the ones who didn't even go in, go in the Capitol that day. Mm -hmm. So, Julie, we only have a few minutes left, but obviously the, the January 6th commission, you know, I said this, you know, at the time when I was still in Congress, uh, we've never seen anything like this. I talked earlier about just the uncharted territory we, in, or we are in with the degradation of the institution of the halls of Congress, the entire legislative branch of government from people not showing up to vote to uh, you know, kicking people out, you know, not allowing American citizens to tour uh, their capital uh, that they own. But also you have uh, this issue of this January 6th committee. And there's this trial that's going on now with Steve Bannon, a longtime political conservative, uh, very well known, uh, was in at the beginning of the Trump uh, administration. I have no idea, uh, and of course, you know, Cash, all the people who did not, who ignored our subpoenas, uh, none of them got prosecuted, none of them are in jail. Nope. And in fact, until mm -hmm. now, unless you were a Trump supporter, you're the first person ever that I know to actually go to jail uh, for a, a for you know, a dispute with a subpoena. Uh, and that's, uh, and now Steve Bannon uh, has, is now in kind of day two of his trial. Give us kind of the quick update on what's what's going on with Steve Bannon uh, for those who don't who don't know. But he's he's at trial, I guess, today, right? Yes, his uh, jury trial started yesterday. The jury was selected on Monday. What's today? Wednesday. Um, so opening arguments have already started. Uh, Bannon's team, last I heard, was uh, um, cross-examining one of the witnesses who, for the government, a government witness, who admitted that Steve Bannon had nothing to do with January 6th. So that was an interesting confession. Uh, but again, will Steve Bannon get a fair trial in Washington, D.C.? Doubtful. I mean, I'm told, I'm told, uh, thanks to the yeah, great reporting another. on Truth Social. So one of the other cool things about Truth Social, Devin, is it's the only place I'm seeing live, accurate reporting of the Bannon trial. And uh, at Toria, I can't remember her entire handle, but is covering it, uh, doing a play-by-play -play, along with other folks. 
And and thanks to that great reporting, we're able to keep up to speed on Truth Social. And I was actually told my name came up from the prosecutor. Uh, not surprising. Uh, these clowns will stop at nothing uh, to uh, corrupt a jury and try to get a political verdict instead of getting due process um, executed. I hope that um, you know Steve is afforded due process. It's a Trump-appointed judge. We'll see if that makes a difference. I know it did in the Sussman case when we had the uh, you know the judge who was married to uh, the person representing uh, Lisa Page, which mm -hmm. is uh, a hilarious uh, you know tragedy of errors. But uh, we'll see how this thing shakes out. This trial is probably going to take at least another week or so. Uh, to, to wrap up. Um, if I could just say in closing, I get this question a lot, how um, people yeah, that's absolutely amazing. cash, you should but point there's out also, oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, Julie. Sorry, we might have a little delay there. Um, is also to donate to patriotfreedomproject.com. That is the legal defense fund that was set up by Cynthia Hughes, the adoptive aunt of one of the detainees. And they've been really helpful in finding attorneys and giving financial support to the families who are so desperate. Uh, you know, they've been bankrupted. Um, so I get that question a lot. I just wanted to pass that along. And also, of course, with, with Cash's group as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Julie. And so I am coming to you from London because we are opening in the UK. I wanted everyone on True Social to know it first. That's why we did this. And I want to thank Cash and Julie for coming on. Uh, I am Christopher Still must be interfering with my Wi-Fi because Julie and Cash, you're on like this massive delay now. It was it was perfect. And now it's like this this five second delay. So I apologize to everybody. But thank God. Christopher Steele uh, and the and the dirty cops that are here, uh, 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 all of Christopher <laughs> Steele's buddies, just a joke. Uh, but clearly my Wi-Fi is having a challenge right now. And just so you all know, this is not my palace. Uh, it's not even the true social palace, uh, but I am in the UK and I'm actually gonna leave from here uh, and do my first live interview uh, with Nigel Farage, his show on uh, GB.com. So it's, it's a great uh, GB news. Uh, which is great britain news he's got a great show one of the top shows here in the uk and i'm going to go on to his show and i guess you sit there and you actually have a pint uh and you talk to him so if those of you will tune in it's going to be here in, in the next couple couple hours uh but he's been very gracious he's a big believer in free speech obviously a big believer uh in the united states of, of america uh and he uh, kindly invited me uh, to come here and announce the launch of true social uh, on, and my first public interview uh, on with uh, Nigel Farage on GB News. So uh, with all that, I want to thank all of you who have joined. Uh, Cash and I, we will put out uh, some additional polls uh, to take questions for you. So we'll see who we'll have on uh, next week and into the future. But I want to thank all of you for listening. And with that, we will, we will close out live from London. Julie, thank you so much. If you can still hear me. And Cash, thank you also. Thank you. Thank you.